You're listening to the Saturday Morning D&D Show with Jordan, the PH is silent, and Sir Lucian. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Saturday Morning Dungeons & Dragons Show. My name is Jordan, with a silent PH in the middle, and I'm joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Good morning, Mr. Lucian. Good morning. I have a beholder over my shoulder. Yeah, there's a beholder over your shoulder. That's crazy. That's... that's uh, uh, maybe we have Dungeons and Dragons, mm-hmm. and then maybe uh, we'll do a clothing line called Beholders and Shoulders. Yes, jackets and something. Yeah, <laughs> I like what, that. What rhymes with Tarrasque? <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> I like it. Let's okay. We're gonna backwards configure this. What rhymes with the monster we want to use? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Something Too funny. Mimics. Mimic. Yeah. Uh, welcome, everybody. Lots of news to talk about. Uh, if you've been living under a rock, Whoa. you probably haven't heard that there is uh, a sun- late Sunday uh, last week, so mm-hmm. literally like six days ago, uh, Wizards of the Coast announced at the end of their uh, D&D celebration that they're working on a, a, the next edition of Dungeons & Dragons, and... It was said to be backwards compatible with 5e, so really, a lot of people are speculating about this, which we'll probably speculate too. Oh, um, God, yeah. And everyone's throwing out, like, is this a 6th edition? Is this, like, a full new edition? Or is this a 5.5? Mm-hmm. Like, they're just gonna, like, tweak a little things. Um, ultimately, you know, game slash book company wants to sell games slash books. So, uh, we'll see. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of interested, but uh, what what you I feel like you watched this and know more about this than I do. So <laughs> yeah, I, I watched this a couple of times. Hey, Shadar here. Thanks for the hosting. Um, I watched it live and then I went back and watched um, the reaction from Ted. Oh yeah, <laughs> and he was crazy. He was like, "I got it. F you, all you people who told me I was right." I mean, he went crazy on his, <laughs> his live. Uh, so if you have a chance to go back and watch that, it's pretty funny. He does a more stripped down one later on. That's like, here's the facts and not me getting super excited. But um, it was um, interesting because they had you know a panel of four people. And they were dodging around little hints and things, and then, you know, they were we you would get a big bombshell on one, and then they would kind of hint some more things, and you get a bombshell, and and you know it kept going. So, yeah, two major releases of classic campaign setting next year, and a peak at a third. So they said there would be like a sneak peek that you would see that then would be released later in 2023. And that's a. Uh- Another classic campaign? Yeah, so of three, so that's three classic so it's, campaigns. It's gotta be. Well, I guess there are a lot. I was gonna. I was thinking about making a video to be like, how many campaign settings are there? Yeah. Um, because uh, there's a lot, and <laughs> if you think of like a classic campaign setting, I always think of the internal ones that they did, like Planescape. But like Lankmar is a classic campaign setting that Dungeons yeah. and Dragons had advanced D and D had a thing for, and so I don't know. I'm wondering mm-hmm. if it, or yeah, or if it's just going to be Planescape, Dark Sun, Greyhawk, Birthright, you know, the major ones. Yeah, and the <clears throat> notes I put in here is kind of how they're happening. So like as the beginning of it, that's the first kind of bombshell that they drop on us, and they talk. And so we we start you obviously while you're listening, you start speculating. Um, and he tells us, you know, Ravenloft was one that happened this year because we had we knew there was a, a classic. We knew about three before this. 
So Ravenloft was confirmed as one of the ones that they went back and that we have a classic setting book on now. But there's still two coming up and we'll get teased a third. So in reality, that's four classic setting books that we that we know are are going to be on our shelves by the end of like 2023, whenever that happens, right at the end. Um, they talked about that. This was the big one that kind of got everybody buzzing was is that those products, those two classic campaigns, were coming through in new formats, formats that they'd never used, formats that we had never seen before. And everybody uh, uh, immediately thought, thinking digital, like is it a digital-only release? Is it some type of... You know, VTT starts getting thrown around. Are they gonna? Are they gonna not do D and D Beyond stuff anymore? You know, everything starts flying that first five minutes into the, into yeah. the show because you're like, you know, what is it now? I think Ted found some more um, tweets out there. I didn't go back and put all the notes. He did a bunch of digging after this, and I think he found that um, Ray also confirmed that they're not just digital formats they are different print formats yeah i and i heard that too different print formats and so that made me wonder uh what does that mean are they just saying box sets like are we just going back to box sets because uh so you know you buy a spelljammer box set it would come with a big fold-out map it -hmm. would come with like maybe an adventure a lot like the ravenloft uh or sorry the curse of strahd like uh, revised edition that they came out with that mm-hmm. was in the box and there was no hardcover book in that it was all a bunch right. of like soft cover uh yeah. but like here's Could all be, the like, monsters case here's yeah, yeah yeah and it made me wonder if they're going back to that but that was such a weird thing like like a pr- a print that you've never seen before and i'm like what is it going to be like a puzzle that yeah. unlocks the book like it's a book like you, mm-hmm. you what you're not rewriting the world here like it's i don't know you're not yeah, changing yeah. the face Beetle of Beetle and gaming. Grimm was like, the other thing I was thinking too. Yeah, like be, their premium box sets that Beetle and Grimm are doing. I was thinking maybe D and D's getting in on a little bit of that because they've been doing the slipcase stuff. You know, like the yeah. and I think and those look good and they have alternate covers so you can spend a little more on premium ones or whatever. So maybe they're diving into a little bit more of that type of a product route. I was trying to think of what are the other type of print products. I mean, they couldn't possibly release a campaign in a magazine, right? Like here's a magazine that is basically all Spelljammer or something. And here's a magazine that's all Dark Sun or here's a magazine that's all this. I mean, are they going to bring that back? I mean, what other print things are there? Newspapers, books, magazines? What am I missing? <laughs> you know, box yeah, sets. Yeah, I, uh, I can only think that it's going to be a box set. And, yeah. and I can only – or uh, the other idea I had is that maybe um, – They'll be like, here's the Dungeon Master edition, and here's mm-hmm. the player edition. So, like, mm-hmm. if we're going to play in Wild Beyond the Witchlight, then players can go out and buy the player edition, which has the races and the new stuff that they need and information about the world to an extent. But then the Dungeon Master has the full adventure. And yeah. I don't know if that is something that they're thinking about doing because yeah. then you're then when a new adventure comes out you're selling more than one book for a group of five people you know mm-hmm. well the good thing is um i mean we'll know right away because if they're releasing two and teasing a third one of those has to be at the beginning of the year at least one is probably somewhere in the middle of the year and there's other books being released next year that was just the classic stuff so that almost seems like on the side of maybe some of the other stuff so yeah the next thing they talked about um 
was that there will be some blog posts coming up. We're keeping an eye out for them to talk about the product format change soon. So we should know more about that probably within the next month or so. I'm guessing they'll start talking about what those are. And then they kind of drop the bombshell that they've been they've already begun work on a new version of the game. And they didn't give it a name. They didn't say how far they're into it. Mm-hmm. One of the things they did say is that there should be more info coming up starting 2022. It is in relation to having a 50-year anniversary set yeah. created for what is Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition right now. And it's going to be the two slip cases that have, you know, the, the core books and then the set, all the extras, which brings Which is the new book, together. the Morden Canaan book. Which is yeah. basically all the monsters kind of combined into one is what I was yeah. reading. And you so. can buy two slip cases that have them, and then you mm-hmm. could have everything you need to play basically what's out with 5e besides... And they called it non... Um, besides adventures, I guess. Yeah, yeah. They had a term for it, but I forget off the top of my head. But it was like, you know, they're not they're not putting the Magic the Gathering stuff in there. They're not putting Tal'Dorei in there. They're not putting, you know, some of that stuff in there. Uh, Eberron's not in that stuff. Yeah. It's just the core mechanics and the core rules. Oh, they called it system agnostic rules that they put out. So system agnostic rules. Um, so like Artificer is in Tasha's, but Warforged isn't. So right. like there's certain things that are like this this race or whatever is kind of really tied to just that campaign setting. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, the new edition will be apparently compatible with the 5e version. So this throws it because they make that first statement. We're working on the new version, the new edition. I forget what was the word they used, but they didn't give it a name. So immediately you're thinking, here it is, 6th edition confirmed. You know, we've got it. We're going to 6. But when they say it's backwards compatible, then you start seeing in chat everybody saying, oh, this is 5.5 now. You know, but nobody ever called that. And I don't think Dungeons & Dragons ever called their books 3.5. They did. I think so. Do you, you, the company did? Or did all of us that purchased them call it 3.5? Um, they, no, because they re-released the... Um, I wanted to look it up. I forgot to do yeah, that Yeah, they re-released the player's handbook. And, and the, they and called things it like 3.5? That because there were lots of, of broken mechanics. Um. And so I don't think you see a lot of 3E only books. It's usually all 3.5 because they caught it yeah. and they were like, Ugh. Um, but yeah, I think they were trying to say like, this is the fixed version. Please buy this kind of a thing. But you're yeah. right. I don't know. Like a Wizards of the Coast didn't want to call 5E 5E. It wasn't until the fans really latched on that they're like, well, it's fifth edition, you know? Yeah. They wanted yeah. to call it Dungeon Yeah, Dungeon, we, I went and looked. So. Dungeon Master's Guide does not say fifth edition anywhere yeah, in no. it. <laughs> I looked through the whole thing. So they didn't even name it that, even though we kind of, that's what we called it. So I, I wanted to do that. I wanted to see if that's, if they'd put in there a 3.5 edition somewhere in actual print. Um, somebody's saying it's on the cover, but I'll have to go and look um, to see if that's true. Um, so... That's where the 5.5 part starts to come from. So if it's backwards compatible, does that mean we're just a half-step rendition from 5? Are we a full version away from 5? We'll have to see. Are they going to try to control the name? Are they? I'm surprised they didn't. Because if you want to control that narrative from a marketing standpoint, I feel like you'd want to control that narrative from a big company like that. You wouldn't want to put that out there and then let your community 
come up with its own name and then it's not it doesn't match any of the marketing stuff you do because let's say everything they're printing right now says sixth edition but the whole community thinks it's 5.5 that's coming yeah it seems weird to me that they didn't put a name on it so they could start getting that out there and so the community didn't go crazy with their own is this 5.75 maybe it's 5.25 you know or what what are we dealing with here i guess we'll have to see how backwards compatible it is um because and here here's i think it will be 5.5 if i can use this new rule set and play um out of the abyss like mm-hmm. I can take an old five E adventure, but I can use the new rule set. Like that would mean backwards compatible to me. Or I can use my original player's handbook and play a new adventure that they've written for this. Like, and if it's that, if it's really that synergistic, it's then it feels like not a new edition. It feels to me like they just kind of added some more extra rules. Like mm-hmm. I can like we could say, well, Tasha's and Xanathar's, that's 5.5. Because if you play just the player's handbook, that's 5th edition. So in order to be a whole brand new edition, um, it's got to be different somehow. You know, yeah, I think but, well, your core combat has to be different somehow. Like either you change how rounds work, you change how initiative works, you change monster stat blocks enough that they're no longer compatible and you actually need something. Like if you look at a... A 4E stat block, it's very different than a 5E stat block. So anybody could look at those two things and say, these seem to come from different game things, even though it's a related game. Yeah. Um, But when you look at like a Pathfinder stat block and you look at a Dungeons & Dragons, they're they're similar enough that you might say, oh, these must be at least close to the same game or pretty similar because it has the AC, it has all the stats, it has the same skills in there. So to me... If they're changing, going to six, are they adding new skills? Are they expanding any of the stats? Are they changing any of the combat orders or things that you can do? Are they adding something called like a bonus action and then a quick action or a swift action or a you know a free well, action? Or are they doing any of that kind of stuff where they add in a whole other core thing? Or who knows? Um, and I, you're right. I don't know. Uh, Obviously, none of us know, but, like, if you think back to Dungeons & Dragons, like, we had uh, BXD&D, or, like, Basic Mm -hmm. Expert Dungeons & Dragons. And then coupled with that was Advanced Dungeons & Dragons. But it wasn't until, I I think it was, like, 10, 12 years later, they made Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 2nd Edition. Mm -hmm. And and so that 2nd Edition was a, a revising of the original rules and kind of getting rid of the basic rules. Like we're going to shed these. You don't need basic anymore. It's just advanced now. Um, and then with third edition, you know, they changed everything. Like you said, that's what we Mm -hmm. think of a, of a, of an addition change because combat changed. You have like an ascending AC score. You have these feats. You have all this yeah. other stuff that you're adding to it. Yeah, you I've know? tried to convert an um, old addition to 5e. Yeah, yeah and so uh, third edition was very different. Um, and then 3.5 fixed some problems with third edition. And then fourth edition was very different. But mm-hmm. fifth edition uh, felt a lot like third and felt a lot like advanced AD&D or AD&D second edition. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Like, I, I thought it was very telling that uh, what's-his-name who's leading the product line had an advanced D&D shirt on mm-hmm. in that video. Um, and it made me think, like, 
50th anniversary, are you going to make like a huge box set that's like, here's Advanced BX, edition. AD&D, third, <laughs> fourth, fifth, like, and our new yeah. one. And like, here is all yeah. of D&D for $800. You can own this. Oh, like, so. That would be cool. It would. Updated artwork and oh wow. And I wonder if it was like, I wonder if this new edition, they want to incorporate all the working things from older ones too. And and that's not like, I'm going to bring back Thacko or anything like that. But uh, the Wild Beyond the Witchlight has a character named Thacko. Like they're clearly playing Mm -hmm. at something. And I think there's little hints that, uh, I don't know. I think they, I, so I've been, playing a lot or reading a lot and stuff of old school adventures, which is mm-hmm. a streamlined, cleaned up version of original BX D and D. Uh, and that being said, like a D and D is very confusing, but what if wizards of the coast took that and stri- and made it clarified and used their like knowledge of layouts and stuff now to like mm-hmm. help a user read through this. I wouldn't be surprised if they're like, let's do that, and now let's re-release some of our classic adventures and yeah, stuff. Yeah, because you know who you're taking a shot at then? You're taking a shot at the OSR then. Yeah. You were you were saying, you know what? You guys have taken our game, said you loved our old game so much, you're trying to revive our old game because you won't play our new game. Well, guess what? We're coming back for our old game too. <laughs> Could I you else, imagine? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think... You know, if if uh, I was talking wow, about I didn't this even with think of that. I was talking about this with some friends, and if you think about it, like I firmly believe that Jeremy Crawford and Chris Perkins and all, I think the people mm-hmm. at Wizards really see the value of the OGL and oh, the yeah. SRD, where people are allowed to make things for their game because it lets them sell more games and it lets them be at the top of the RPG market. Yeah. Because all of these people and uh, Wizards specifically tried to make a fourth edition where they controlled everything and controlling everything led to Pathfinder being number one because yeah. all these people could make stuff for Pathfinder. Now, the good news of this is we will always have the OGL like they can't revoke it. That's in there. It's IV always going to be there. Always going to be. But I know I know that those Hasbro CEOs are sitting there <laughs> and they're looking at it and they're just like. Yeah. Well, that's a we that's a two million dollar Kickstarter. Where's our cut of that? You know, yeah. and they're looking at it from a financial standpoint, where it's like, why are we giving these other companies for free the ability to profit off of our game? And I yeah. and I think that they're looking at that, saying, uh, uh-uh, we don't want to do that. So, with sixth edition, like a new edition, they would they would have the rights to not release something for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's interesting that they say this will be backwards compatible, meaning I think. I kind of took that as you can use the 5e uh, SRD to make something for this new edition, but you're never going to be able to make something for 6th edition unless you go through the DMs Guild so that when you publish it, we own it and we can do what we want with it. Mm-hmm. Like, they want their cut. So it's like, I don't want to see these million-dollar Kickstarters anymore. I want to see yeah. people funneling their product through the DMs Guild so that the Hasbro CEO can look at it and be like, oh, good, we got you know 40% of that guy's thing for using our game. So, mm-hmm. uh, uh, yep. Anyway, that's my speculation about all of this. So I think it's going to be backwards compatible in the sense that they're never going to get rid of the OGL, uh, the open game license, but 6th edition is going to be a lot more restrictive. And I would not... I'd be very surprised if you're going to have another... Paizo, another uh, uh, 
uh, Pathfinder come out. Um, and, and maybe it's not Pathfinder, but like I could just see all sorts of companies taking the 5e SRD, improving it, and releasing their own game, just yeah. like what happened with 4th edition. So, yeah. And it's a bombshell when you go to a new release like that, because are they going to... D&D Beyond or any game that has a license with them, they probably have a license for 5th edition at that point. That means all negotiations are back on the table if D&D Beyond or these other VTTs or Roll20 want to work and have that new content come in. Yeah. So that's they're, they're renegotiating, I'm assuming, all of that. Or do they not negotiate that and do they start actually bringing that stuff in-house, their own VT? T their own character yeah, online and, character creator their own yeah magazine online which they have with Dragon Plus you know they have well and and you're right I I don't know like Wizards is too small to do that I think but not Hasbro but uh, if Hasbro's <laughs> willing you know and and that's what Wizards has always been good at is that they they have their intellectual property they have Dungeons and Dragons and then they hire mm-hmm. a game company to make Dark Alliance. Right. Or they hire this person to make an MMO, or they hire uh, this person to make a comic book. Um, and but so, they've started hiring. But game that's the thing. Like, yeah. didn't they buy some like yeah. a couple game companies? So it makes me wonder if that's where they're pushing, which would be a real big kind of slap in the face to D and D Beyond. Uh, not so much Roll Twenty in them. Like, I feel like D and D Beyond is in a different category than all of those other VTTs, but. It really shouldn't be. I don't know why, other than they have the word D&D in there. And they do a really great product. I'm not trying to say that. But, like, mm-hmm. I was like, I don't think that uh, uh, Roll20 gets the kind of, like, sass from Wizards of yeah. the Coast like D&D Beyond does. Well, and, so. and let me give you another example that this made me think of this whole thing. This is, like, the doom and gloom part. Um, I played a game called Marvel Heroes which was a top-down Diablo-like game for Marvel characters and superheroes. And it was by, uh, the, the company was Gazillion, who created David Brevik, who did um, Diablo 1 and 2, was the main programmer for that, was in on that. And they were building this awesome game called um, Marvel Heroes. And it goes for a long time. They, go, they get like an 8 or 9, 10-year run. They're adding characters every couple months. And... It's, you know, it's a super fun game. Marvel gets bought by Disney. Game shut down. They no longer can afford the license to keep the Marvel license because now that it's under Disney, guess what? How much that Marvel Those license lawyers is worth are like, now? Oh, by the way, we charge 4000 <laughs> We can't afford more. it. Yeah. Shut that game down. So I wonder if the same thing happens where we go to a new version, uh, company's doing really well. You guys want sixth edition for your thing. Here's the new price because of how popular we are right now. Because we negotiated that other price with D&D Beyond back when it was starting to get popular, but maybe had not hit its peak yet. Mm -hmm. We're at its peak now and we're in renegotiation time. That might be too much for what D&D Beyond can do. Maybe they can't meet that. So then what happens? Do they, they have to stick with what they have and then they're done? But they're looking at other games and they're looking at other things. So it's well, smart that no, they need to diversify. Beyond, they're, they're branching out. They, they bought they Cortex and they're yeah. making that Dragon Prince game. And I think it was a direct response to like, yeah. like oh. Like, things are what? shifting. Yeah. Like you're yeah, not yeah. going to let us just keep 
doing this, you know, like, yeah. like I thought we were partners and it's like, no, 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 you're, you're just doing a little bit of stuff for us. Yeah. But and, yeah. and the idea that a license deal now, five years from now, if it's, everybody's been doing good and everything's been popular and it's been rising and rising and rising, that new license deal is going to be double, triple, quadruple what that first one was. So can you still sustain it? And I mean, Disney could come in and buy Hasbro for all we know, and then everything gets renegotiated again. You know, Google comes in and wants a game company or whatever, and, and Amazon's building games. Maybe Amazon wants tabletop RPGs. Yeah. They could come in and buy, renegotiate everything and do the same thing. So I think it's interesting to see where we're going. Are we getting six? Are we getting 5.5? Who's going to control the narrative of that marketing when are they going to start trying to control the narrative? And when do we find out for sure? Um, I'm excited. I saw on Twitter a lot of people that were down, weren't excited about a new version. Kind of were like, what's, you know, with the version that we have right now, they're well, definitely that, that the fans the of the version now. That is the life cycle of a gamer who likes yeah. D&D. Like, what? Yeah. I'm going to go play D&D when it was cool. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm excited. I, th- I love new stuff. I love the idea that we might get new things. I love the idea that we might get a new combat system we might get a new magic system we might get a refined maybe not new maybe not different but refined or well thought out now that we're you know nine ten years into it at this point so it's time to and i like the idea that there's a 50th anniversary this is the thing that kept hitting us and we've talked about this before if you're gonna go and do something big wouldn't you do it on your 50th like you don't do it on your 49th year anniversary your your 54th year anniversary you do something big on your 50th so if you're going to well, do something, I think that's I think they're going to re-release like every edition of D and D. God, that'd be and cool. And I think it's, uh, uh, you know, and, and I was just thinking like, oh, they'll re-release it. But now that I now that you were kind of saying that OSR stuff, I'm like, oh yeah, let's take a shot at them like, too. That's a big market, <laughs> and so I'm sure they're just like, why aren't we playing? Why aren't we in that market? Why like, aren't we the know? top dog in the? Well, OSR and I, I say it's a big market. It's it probably is market. It's probably not a huge market at all, but like it's got to be a chunk. But OSR DC, is big. Like, lots of people yeah, like DCC is, I felt, has a pretty big community. Yeah, I, I don't know if DCC is OSR for me. But I guess it is, but... It is. Yeah, I think yeah. it's it its, its own renaissance. thing, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, moving on. So, you get that bombshell. We're only probably 15, 20 minutes in. I don't remember. I didn't put the timestamps in. And then they talk to us about, we got a new gift set coming out, which are all the rules. And we get the first name monsters of the multiverse which is mordekanen's monster and that's kind of bringing in the monster books the volos the tasha's the stuff like no that. the volos the mordekanen's uh tasha stuff i think is in that does tasha's have monsters i thought it was just game mechanics but i think they're bringing it into that book i thought no no oh, no, no because it's you're getting tasha's and mordekanen's right. i'm sorry i was reading monsters of yeah. the multiverse yeah so yeah all in a three-book case. The cases look really nice. The I special like. editions look really cool, like those yeah. covers. So, yeah. So I'm thinking that's going to be pretty good. Um, and that comes they, out January 25th. They wanted They were to trying it, for this year. There's COVID. Yeah. Uh, it's just the world's on fire. So they're yeah. like, it's just not going to get out by Christmas. Shipping from printers. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Two cover versions. I liked both covers. The white slip cases looked really yeah. good, though. yeah. Um, and basically, with those three, if you wanted to get in, and I don't know how much those will be, I think, did they give us a price on those? Oh, they, yeah, they did, because they told us it was 150 or 160 bucks is what they te- they told us there was a three-book three set coming out. That's it. That was announced. We know what the three-book set is now that they had been talking, that Amazon had leaked the day before. That's what it was. 
Amazon had had a page up that said there's a hundred and something dollar book coming. So we were all wondering, is it was this going to be when it got announced? And it yeah. did. Um, so three books, three books, and you can play all five E to your heart's content. At that point, you have everything you need. And they're actually not just reprints. There's actually changes in editing things going on in Xanathar's and Tasha's also. Yeah. So it I mean, wasn't just a all direct All of the recall. errata will be in there, obviously. But uh, yeah. there's... Format changes, too. There were some, yeah. some changes. Yeah. And I know that the they, they showed a lot of the art from the Magic the Gathering Forgotten Realms set. Mm-hmm. That they're repurposing that art in the monster... Morning Kanan's Monsters of the Multiverse... Um, to just give some more stuff, but they're also adding that spell action because they were like, oh, like, uh, it's, it, and it is, I will admit to this, it is very difficult when you're like, okay, he's got these spells. Oh, I need to open this book and see what the spells do, and I'm trying to do all of this. Meanwhile, your mm-hmm. players are just like, when can I counterspell? Because I know you're looking up spells. Um, <laughs> monsters will be getting a, like, spell action or, or a casting action or something. So they'll have spell-like abilities in their stat blocks listed as opposed to just having the spell straight up. And that led to the internet going like, well, can you counterspell that? And everyone was like, is counterspell <laughs> useless? And then other people were like, counterspell was, like, terrible design to begin with. Like, we should just yeah, get rid get of it. Rid of it. <laughs> and I was like, yes! And then I was so happy because Matt Coville was like, yeah. it's like bullcrap design and i'm like oh my gosh thank you so much i hate counterspell and i just wanted to have somebody else agree with me <laughs> so so we know there will be a 50th anniversary version special edition for all of 5e so there's going to be some books that we get to see that you can buy if you want 50th anniversary edition books which sound really cool i'm sure we'll have great artwork um in the monsters of the multiverse 250 monsters 30 playable races. But again, these are going to be the ones that are system agnostic. So I assume we get ones that could appear anywhere, but we might not get ones that are very specific. Like I think you said the good one for Eberron was um, the Warforge. Yeah, you won't have the I'm wondering, I bet Warforge isn't in there because that's a very Eberron yeah. thing. Right? Yeah, so no no Warforge. You probably won't see like, like Strahd's stat block in there you know yeah. things like that like uh, uh i'm trying to think of anything else that's very specific to um but you'll see like a basilisk you know mm-hmm. and things like that probably a whole slew of devils and demons um yeah. angels and stuff like that that are just like yeah these just exist so yeah. um monsters getting bonus actions or like you had just talked about or more actions i mean jeremy did a good talk about what would happen is is they would create a Let's say you they created a um, uh, a necromancer, and in that they gave it a CR twelve. It was he was saying it was easy because you gave them all these spells that if you didn't pick the quintessential ones, you would act, that creature actually would only play as maybe like a CR five at that point because you yeah. made kind of poor decisions and you forgot the cool things that this thing could do that really made it the CR 12 in the first place. Right. Um, so they, he said they wanted to streamline, give them abilities. So you don't have to do spells at all. If you don't want to just like, you can do this cool ability. You can do this cool ability. You can do this cool ability this many times a day and be done. Or they're just going to list out the spells that are the quintessential spells for them to be able to do and not have spell slots and not have, yeah, and 
big and if spell you think about lists. It, you're absolutely right because you're looking at this and you're just like, I don't know, do I use this? Like, unless you have a very fundamental understanding of mm-hmm. that monster and the situation, um, I feel like it's always going to be hindsight. At the end of the day, when they kill the monster, the necromancer really quickly, you're going to yeah. look at, you're going to replay that fight in your head that night and be like, oh, you know, if I'd done this, it would have been that much, it would have been more difficult. Whereas now, if they remove all the extra stuff, mm-hmm. you look at a stat block and you're like, okay, I can do one, two, and three, and all of those are going to yeah. keep that monster at CR twelve. You yeah. know, like and there'll be things in there like cloak be of like shadow easier or, for the dungeon master. <laughs> yeah, there'll be cool named ability stuff that they're doing too that gives them more flavor, I think, too, yeah. because it'd be like, oh, they can do one like like that necromancer one. Maybe they have an ability that a zombie can throw itself in front of an attack a couple of different times in, in any good run. So that can absorb one full attack coming in. There's a, there's already another monster creature that does that. I think it's like the cobalt one or the cobalt leader where cobalts can jump in front of him getting hit. And it basically, so you can just kind of negate that one big paladin strike nice. because all of a sudden a cobalt had jumped in front and took it for him, you know, that type of thing. Or, you know, so you could come up with lots of cool abilities like, you know, um, locusts or swarms you know fly out mm-hmm. or something gets obscuring mist comes out from the necromancer ways for them to mess with a party that you can use and it'll be right there in the stat block for you to go oh this is cool he uses the the curse of the nine daggers or something and you know mm-hmm. something happens or so i think that's going to be fun and i think that will make monsters more interesting than they've been i think the stat block kind of harmed at least some types ones, of creatures yeah. Yeah, yeah. Caster monsters. So I think sure. that's pretty cool. Um, make it easier for monsters to hit at its regular CR. Uh, and they said more adventure anthologies are on the way. They said uh, they've always gotten good survey feedback on those. So the adventures they put out, like uh, Candlekeep, um, Yawning I would Portal. I say Yawning Portal's a Tales good of one. the Yawning Portal. And- mm-hmm. um, I always think Saltwater. Ghost of Saltmarsh. me the right one. Ghost of Saltmarsh. It's just salt water to me. <laughs> that's another good one. <clears throat> so I think that's cool. They'll bring it's in okay. some It's okay. We run that. a D&D show, everybody. We know what we're talking about. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, and then the bomb... This is the thing. This is where, like, as in Ted's word, I told you so. <laughs> or, you know, or I called it, he kept saying. I called it is what he kept saying. I'm like, we were all calling it, Ted. Settle down. Yeah. There. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of us calling it. But, uh... Chris starts talking about they have finally been given the reins to create or they're working on right now. They don't know if they will be published because they keep saying this thing that they work on a bunch of material, but not everything is published. Yeah. Can well, you imagine he, what's he made not it been sound published? really good where, you know, they're they're creative people. And so yeah. I think they have that idea of like, wouldn't this be cool? And they start writing it down. And then somebody looks at it and it's like, is anyone going to buy this? You're like, I don't know. You're right. This is just Chris's <laughs> cool brain came up with like a fun scenario or like yeah. something. But like, I don't know if somebody would buy this. And so, or like, could we incorporate that into a book, you know? Mm-hmm. Or do we add it to something that already exists or does exactly. it fit with yeah. something? But what we have confirmed is they are working on two new, brand new settings. Yeah. They're getting the chance to create something we've never seen. These are these designers getting to create a world in a couple of them. And who knows if we get both or the rule set that they if made, we get like, one, which is something we've wanted yeah. for a long time. Me and you, like I think, Oh, definitely. Really cool. yeah. Because 
the the worlds that we've gotten the forgotten realms are the ed greenwood world right they're the 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 3.5 designers and 4e and 4e designers that had stayed on had created forgotten realms basically they're the they're the fathers of forgotten realms gygax is the father of greyhawk right you know um um, what's his name is the the father of eberron um baker Keith Baker is the father of everyone. We haven't got to see Chris Perkins and Jeremy Crawford, the father of this setting. And I wanted that. I really wanted to see what these, what this crew that we have now could create in 2020, 2021, 2022, or whenever we might get something like that. Well, and just, I I just want a setting where like all the, all the, all the races, the lore is new, you know? Yeah. Like there's a reason that tieflings are here. And it's not just that we, like, kind of slap it into the Forgotten yeah. Realms. Or, like, there's a reason Dragonborn exists. And yeah. it's not like, well, we'll just kind of shimmy it into the Forgotten Realms. Like, it would, it's really cool to have that. And, and a lot of people um, I saw were kind of upset by this. Because they're like, again, why are you... Their mindset, why are you wasting resources on something new when you could remake Dark Sun or, or something like that? And it's like, well... You don't know if you don't like this, though. Like, this could be the coolest thing in the world. Like, I th- like honestly, just give it a chance. Like, yeah, it's not Spelljammer. They're not saying Spelljammer, Spelljammer. But, like, <laughs> it could be really, really cool. We literally don't know. And so, like, let them work on it, you know? Was there... Shedzar was talking about, wasn't James Wyatt and Chris Perkins setting the points of light from 4E? So I didn't play 4E, so I don't know any of the settings that they covered during the whole 4th edition. That's like... It's the weirdest thing for me being... We're the Saturday morning D&D show, and I have an amnesia gap for the years of 4th edition because I didn't play any of it. I didn't know any of it. I bought none of the books of it. I've never played any of it. I didn't hear stories of any of it nobody talked to me about the 4e games they were playing in you know i heard three five stuff i've been there since advanced dungeons and dragons and basic i'm here full force for 5e but 4e has been such a a hole yeah in so my, my whole knowledge base again they wanted to have something brand new um even though they control forgotten realms and and everything else but um <laughs> nentir vale was the campaign setting and i don't know specifically if perkins like wrote the stories or anything but he was very active in 4e and so i'm sure like he was working there that whole time that they were sure. creating 4e and the nentir vale campaign setting but that mm-hmm. was the 4e setting that changed a lot of the cosmology and then but they, you still have monty cook there at that time right I thought he during, left with during third, the beginning of four. Maybe I thought it was, was at the end before. of three, beginning yeah. of four, maybe. Yeah, but the Nentir Vale campaign setting. What they wanted to do is they changed the whole cosmology, and then they tried to make all the other campaign settings fit that new cosmology that they created. So that was another reason that people didn't like it is because, you know, growing up, it's like well, we had planescape and we had this the great wheel and we had all this other stuff and then the the realms fit into there and Spelljammer kind of fit into there and there was all these things that worked and then nentir Vale was like oh yeah throw that all out those don't exist anymore the we got the astral plane we got the elemental chaos and then we have these yeah. little points everywhere and you're somewhere in the middle oh and there's a Feywild now and it was like yeah. what so uh with 5e they went back because nobody liked this <laughs> or very few people but it's it's a cool idea like it, it has a lot of fun mythology 
Um, specifically like where the abyss came from and things like that. It had a lot of like the beginning, the creation of the world. Um, I'm really curious about Fizbin's book because it talks about like the world before we knew it. And I wonder if that's the first step in their, uh, new mythology going forward for a new campaign setting. So, well, here's the word they threw around in that a lot. And they kept saying a ton, the word multiverse. Mm-hmm. So to me, the next set of books, the the next edition, the next slip cases are going to reinforce this idea of multiverse. And I think they're going to dive into that more so that all campaign settings can exist and don't need to be explained in any other way except, hey, we live in a D&D multiverse. Of course there's a Dark Sun. Of course there's a Spelljammer. Of course there's a Greyhawk. Of course there's a Ravnica. We're in, we're in a multiverse. Yeah. yeah. All Magic the Gathering exists. We're in a multiverse, you know. And why not? Why not embrace that? Marvel's embraced it to, to high acclaim. They're doing the What If series. You know, you're seeing all kinds of the multiverse stuff. And they're going to start doing it. So why not jump onto that same bandwagon? I think it's a good way to, to open up the game. Um, so D&D multiverse, they said a ton. Um, these would be the first brand new setting since Eberron confirmed. None of the other ones have been, and they said testing should be starting. So I wonder if we'll get a D and D next phase. Oh, will we for a get year, a D and D test yeah. phase that we could all jump in and and do? Um, will they do another contest? They did the Dungeon Masters contest. They did Eberron contest. Do you think they'll ever come back around and do a? Do another community contest to help build content? Because why wouldn't you? It's like free content for you at that point. Well, but that's the problem is there's a lot of there's a lot of um There's and a lot I, of and I think rightfully so, but there's been a lot of pushback on that, especially with yeah. like we're gonna have an art competition. But we everybody make us something really cool. Yeah. And then we'll own the rights to it and we can look at it and be like, no, 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 this one, and then we'll give that guy like a thousand dollars. And it's yeah. like, but you just gave a thousand dollars for like a hundred, like way more yeah. art than a thousand dollars. But you're in a contest. Yeah. You're trying to win the prize. So I, I don't know. And 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 there's yeah. a lot of, uh, you know, like Keith Baker loves uh, Eberron, and he's not mm-hmm. allowed to do a lot of stuff with it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think that's another thing people might be like, mm, I don't, I don't think you should steal from people. I think you know, and maybe stealing's the wrong, wrong thing because he signed up for that and everything, but. I don't know. And it has like launched his career, you know, even yeah. though he's he's tied they to profited everyone, even though he's it. not making It's not like it wasn't it, a bad deal for them. They profited off it too. So I wonder if they could go back to that pot. Could they go back to that? And would and, Eberron and be as popular if it wasn't part of a community building contest? Well, part of that Wizards of the Coast uh yeah. uh just marketing just promoting it, you know? Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. like it is really cool, but you're right. I don't know if yeah. people Eberron could have been Pathfinder. So would it have been as popular? Eberron could have been its own well, company. Yeah. And I'm even thinking would like, would Eberron popular? be popular if Keith was just trying to kickstart it today, you know? And people are like, I don't know, I guess, who are you? You know? Yeah. yeah so, so I wonder. Um, so to me, that was the bombshell. It's just like one after the other. There was one in there. They showed us, uh, he talked about, um, a new book that was going to scare players. They were going to be afraid to go there. They were going to be, and we already had, you know, like Ravenloft. So this started making me think we might get a Shadowfell 
campaign book or a Shadowfell setting. Yeah, book, I was right? wondering if Shadowfell, uh, because they've the been talking been about done. the domains of dread a lot, and yeah. they specifically said Van Richten's guide is in, um, or all of those domains of dread are in the Shadowfell. They're part of the Shadowfell. And something we haven't mentioned, but there was a Feywild supplement that came out in tandem f- with Wild Beyond the Witchlight on the DMs Guild. Mm-hmm. And it's $8. I bought it. I flipped through it. It's really good. It's 30-some pages, but it's it's $8, and all the profits go to Child's Play Charity. Mm-hmm. Um, but within there, like it almost felt like this belonged in Wild Beyond the Witchlight. It's, how, it's the exact same thing that was in Van Richten's guide, but for the Feywild. How do you yeah. create Domains a of domain delight. of delight? How do you create yeah. an archfey villain that is controlling this domain? Um, so with that, I'm wondering if they're going to to create a uh, a, a, a fleshed out Shadowfell. Like, yeah. I don't know. Or do they just keep it with certain domains? Uh, one of my favorite four ebooks is Gloomrot, which is the big city in the Shadowfell. And I was wondering if that was going to that could be cool. uh, do something, yeah. If they would yeah. like remake Gloomrot, basically for well. Fighting. And I think Chris has always brought, you know, characters from the Shadowfell. He's used Shadowfell in a lot of his games. Um, I feel like I could see him pushing to get a Shadowfell book at some point, mm-hmm. a book that really covers it. Um, we even have like, wasn't there even a Patreon from or Patreon you can get as a Warlock from? The main person in the Shadowfell. I'm forgetting her name off the top of my Raven head. Queen, yeah. Raven Queen. You know, then we get a full fleshed out book that has a Raven. That would even be cool as Raven Queen is the on the cover. It's her book, the Raven Queen's book of Shadowfell or something. <laughs> Raven or, Queen's Guide you to know, the Supernatural. Whatever. <laughs> uh, Jez points out that it could be a book set in the Abyss. That could be. You know, we've visited the Nine Hells, but we haven't really permeated the infinite layers of the Abyss. So, yeah. So, so we know something's coming that I think sounds exciting. Could be pretty fun. Then they tease a very hand-drawn sketch of a space hamster, a giant space hamster, which apparently is exactly the same thing as a regular, yeah, right, as a regular hamster, which, which has been the joke, the ongoing joke, if you didn't know it. Boo. Everybody's speculating on what's behind Boo and what it means. I'm, I'm full on the Spelljammer boat. I think that's basically Spelljammer confirmed, but other well, people think it could be something and else. People were asking, like, how popular is Starfinder for Paizo? And I don't know. I don't know, but like every I know I have some patrons that play do. it, and they love it. Like, they love Starfinder, and they play it. And, and But if you think about it, um, that's a very untapped part of D&D, is just the science part, science fantasy. Yeah. Um, because you have, you know... Star Trek Space. and Star Wars and all this other stuff and Starfinder um, and people are going that route to play in a science fiction style game as opposed to using D&D. So I was wondering if they're going to create like a new version of D&D, but yeah. using, you know, using the framework we're all familiar with, but instead I'm going to be like a rat folk tinkerer that hacks the mainframe. And we're playing our game of planetoids and probes or something. I don't know. And it, and it has to be the most popular thing they see or the most... Every time they run a live stream, every time they do any type of post, hundreds, thousands of people, Spelljammer confirmed. Spelljammer well, this, Spelljammer that. Well, it's become a joke now that, that I'm wondering if, but they want if they're it. like, <laughs> do we release it? 
Like, yeah. I, you, <laughs> why would you not release what your what your people are asking for? Your greatest fan, Jordan, is I, asking for stuff, and you're just like, no, I don't want to do that thing. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't want to do your most popular thing. You guys are asking for. I've got all this other cool stuff for you. Yeah, I I just don't know about Spelljammer because. I like. I feel like it's become a joke now, but at the same time, you're right. So, so many bad. people are hollering for it. Like, yeah, I don't know. I, I we want. Who doesn't want ships fighting in space and mind flayers ships that you're going to board and raid and going to different worlds and and all of the drama that you can bring with that. I mean, there are people playing Spelljammer campaigns right now. I've heard stories and they're talking about cool stuff that happens in their in their spell space whales and yeah. you know whatever all their star trek fantasies being born out even though they still get to be a paladin or a wizard or a whatever you know why would they go to space they have the magic to make it possible so they could you know um and just if you're if your community cries for it so much all the time it's not like they're always dark sun dark sun everybody's oh dark sun you don't see that spread across everywhere so it's not that's not the campaign you jump on. It's not even Dragonlance. People aren't even shouting out Dragonlance, Dragonlance every time they they do a live stream. It's Spelljammer all the time. Yeah. And maybe it's a meme, but I th- I'm not. I'm fully shouting it out from the from the heavens cuz I want it. Yeah. I want well, and I think that makes sense. I they want yeah. I I I look at this as I think Dungeons and Dragons wants to go into a here's our sci-fi version of our game. Yeah. Um and they're like, and maybe that'll bridge the gap. So maybe they release their sci-fi version of the game, and then they release Spelljammer as a fantasy alternative using the sci-fi rules. I don't know. And then you could combine the two. You know, I could be like the so-and-so hacker, like kind of like um, Dungeon Crawl Classics has Mutant Crawl Classics. It's mm-hmm. literally the exact same like game, but it has a Space instead mutants. of spells and stuff, mm-hmm. you have mutant powers that you use, laser guns, yeah, and, yeah, and so cool you stuff. can uh, combine those two genres if you want. And so I don't know, it wouldn't surprise me if they do that. So well, even Paizo has really made an effort this year is the year they're making an effort to remind everybody that Starfinder and Pathfinder are about um, science fantasy. It's not their science fiction setting it's their science you're right fantasy. it's not mothership it's not like yeah. alien yeah. there is magic in their yeah. space world there are people slinging spells in their pathfinder in their star jammer in their star finder <laughs> world so. yeah but somebody some people on twitter were just like i think that means they're gonna do like a modern campaign setting because they were like we're gonna take D where it's never gone before and I was like, I don't that would think, be weird. Mo- I mean, modern would be okay, but like, I really I, think you want to tap into that sci-fi yeah, market. I can play a CIA so. agent. What? That's what I need in my, you know, what? I don't know. Maybe. All right. So that was about as much as I had found um, some quotes there, like D&D will go where we've never gone before. Yeah. That kind of thing. But it was all vague. It was all talking around it. There was no officially said, here's the name of this. Here's exactly what it is. It's all about more information coming in the future. Yeah. More information soon. You know, here's the things we're working on, but you only vaguely know their shape. You don't know really what it is. So, um, I don't know. Did you see anything else out there as far as D&D news from that? Uh, No, not from the live stream. Just lots of speculation. And I... 
I'm curious, obviously. Like I like I like D D, I like the stuff. Um you know, we we've seen this countless times before historically, like games get to a certain point and it's like I wanna release Time more stuff. On. I gotta yeah. release a new edition, you know? Mm-hmm. So even computer games are that way, board games are that way. Either you're building a new board game or you're building another edition of a board game or you're revisiting. I mean, that's the game. I can't build one game and then I'm done because that can't sustain me for 20, 50 years. I got to keep creating. I got to keep building. Yeah. Well, Tabletop unless role-playing it's, games unless is the it's same. chess, I guess. I'm the guy yeah. who invented chess. Yeah, but you're not getting any money from it. <laughs> not anymore, no. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm going to switch. We had our notes here, but I think it's more important. We, there was another piece of news that dropped this week. Um, Critical Role, Campaign yeah. 3. Yeah, which is funny. I, I don't know if you saw, but uh, it was uh, Kotaku or Gizmodo uh, released this information a day early. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so it, <laughs> it, went, on, it went on Gizmodo. I think it was... It's one of those webs. They're all owned by the same parent yeah. company, but they were like, oh, someone at Gizmodo's getting fired because they released this article that was like, hey, Critical Role's new campaign is set here. And as and you saw on the live and, feed, and it was like, yeah. oh, that's dated for tomorrow. This hasn't <laughs> happened yet. And so uh, it got taken down pretty quick, but I saw some people talking about it. Um, but yeah, Critical Role season three is going to take place in, I, it, I think it's called Marquette which is yeah. another continent that Market, is south Market. of Tal'Dorei. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is going to follow the adventure, or follow exactly after Abria's uh, game that she ran, that little, like, series. So Yeah. So and that, I, the, yeah. I did have a, I have the Tal'Dorei book open. Just yeah, no so... one can see. Nope, nobody no can one can see. see. <laughs> nobody can see it. Stupid filter. Um, it looks like it's a desert continent. It looks like it starts with a big port city, then a range of mountains, and then a, a vast sea of desert and sand. And out in the middle of that desert is a pretty big city called uh, Ankharel. Yeah, so this um, might be the the Middle Eastern kind of yeah uh, subcategory. The Al-Qadim, if you will. <laughs> They're the deserts of Marquette stand as the echo of a once lush landscape that housed a prominent civilization during the age of Arcanum. And that was kind of like their super magic age that they, then they had their super war and it destroyed the world kind of thing, I mm-hmm. believe. Um, yeah, the war that ravaged reduced the lands to sand and ash, burying a multitude of long sealed secrets that many factions now compete to uncover and claim. So yeah, kind of like the sunken cities or the the destroyed wastelands that if you dig deep enough, you find these other kingdoms or civilizations that existed and have power, great power hidden in tombs and crypts and yeah. things. I assume interesting that a desert Dead world cities. is coming out the same time as Dune. Oh, oh weird. Interesting. <laughs> Sandworms, you say? Spice. Interesting. Spice. Um, I, I said this on campaign two. I was going to start and I was going to listen, but boy, like four or five hour episodes are hard I got for me to go through. Five every episodes week. in, yeah. And I didn't continue. I I checked back in every now and then, watched uh, a few episodes here or there. Um, I watched a little bit towards the end, and I did watch the wrap up campaign video. Um, but same with Exandria. I watched like one or two episodes, fell out of it. Watch the ra- the last one, a little bit of it, skim through it, and then watch the wrap up. Um, I think what I'm always the most curious about is the start and what characters they create is the part I want to see for sure. 
Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and I mean, there's a special way to see this new unraveling campaign for the first time too. Oh yeah, they uh, yeah. So the big announcement, I guess, that was on Gizmodo and stuff is that mm-hmm. the first episode is going to be streamed to uh, movie theaters, like a, a live fandom event kind of a thing. Yeah, so, you can so uh, it. it'll also be on Twitch and YouTube, from what I hear. But yeah, it, it's going to be on uh, in theaters. So you can go hang out, and that's a good way to meet other critical critters. Fans. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's yeah. kind of funny. Like I remember going to a Doctor Who fandom event, and it's like, oh my gosh, my people! Yeah, like everybody's I, here. Where yeah, have you been my whole life? Loves it. Like, <laughs> so uh, it's a good way to meet other other like minded people who play the, play the game probably and really like Critical Role and things like that. So mm-hmm. um, kind of cool. Uh, Obviously, stay safe with COVID out there, but I think movie theaters are reopening and they're trying to do something cool. Yeah, so. get, get your vaccines so that you can be safe. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and I think they're also going to do like a three-week on... I don't, I don't... This isn't in the article that I found, but my friends were talking that they were nervous of too many guest DMs or something. Because um, they're like, I watched the show for Matt. Like, Matt as the DM is what draws oh, me to the Oh, they said show. they're taking... One week out of every month off. Yeah, and that was they it. They so still gonna do... are going to play games, yeah. but he needed an extra. He he explained it as it helps me with having an extra week to prep these yeah. big games. Just to just to give him some time, you know, something else like or yeah, yeah he just wants a week off. So uh, they the main campaign will still be Matt, um, but they're going to do little side campaigns or play different games or something on that off week. So. That, yeah. And I think that's fine. I was like, that's good for him. And on, honestly, with uh, Colville's push lately to play different games mm-hmm. and or different RPGs, and uh, uh, Z on on YouTube did a whole thing about Blades in the Dark, mm-hmm. uh, it wouldn't surprise me if this is the new direction a lot of those people are going, where they're like, if you like D&D, you should also maybe try this. Like, there's a lot mm-hmm. of other fun games out there. Like, you yeah. know? So yep. go, go call um, up Lucian and play Masks, a new generation. Yes. Please, <laughs> please. So that was the cool stuff there. I will. Um, we had a date there, October twenty first. So we just hit October. So you know, almost twenty days from now, we will get to be there. I'll probably be there for the first because I want to know, I, or I want to find out what their characters are. I don't know if they'll release that early or if we only find yeah, them out on they the did night it for of, season or... two. We had to like watch the episode and then they like they yeah. they dragged it out way too long. I'm like. Just tell me who you're playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just who are the characters? I want to know. Um, I'm always curious. So Pathfinder news. I'll throw it in there real quick. We're, man, look how far we went already. I'll give you guys a little Pathfinder news. One of the things I saw that Pathfinder's doing, um, we've been bringing this up, is they have something called the Iconics. And the Iconics are, at first, had started out as their quintessential picture of a class, a, a, a character in a class, right? So they had an iconic paladin or they had an iconic cleric or they had an iconic this would they become characters in their own set and they've started to actually not just be a visual representation of their class but their characters and people that exist in canon and have stories about them and they and they show up in adventure paths and and so they've released because they have two new classes coming out pretty soon that they're working on they started talking about the the iconics that are going to represent them Um, So I thought that was kind of cool, an idea that there's this um, quintessential character that represents this class, you know, like would would Dritz be the quintessential ranger would, you know, who who of the 
famous Forgotten Realms people that we've met would be a quintessential this. You know, who could be raised up as this is the cool warlock or this is the cool wizard or this is the cool quintessential paladin. Um, so they call them the Iconics. They bring them up. They have a whole page out that you can go take a look at them. It's got really good artwork that goes with them. Usually their their outfits are very detailed and intricate. They have cool backstories. Um, and they just give you a feel for what Pathfinder is because Pathfinder does have, in my mind, a little bit different of an art style than what D&D releases in their books. Yeah. So D&D has a very visual look to it. And I believe Pathfinder has found their own. They did a good job of saying we're similar, but we're unique also. We're different, and we have we have our own flair to it. And and in some ways, I like some of the Pathfinder artwork on certain things than I than D and D artwork because you can look at certain monsters that are similar, and you might like one more than the. I like some of the Pathfinder stuff is really really cool, um, and they're doing really good stuff over there. They're releasing lots of books. They announced all that stuff over the last week after Gen Con, so if you're really interested in that, I'll keep bringing stuff to us. Little tidbits and snippets that I pick up off the Paizo website um, because it's, amazingly enough, they're as large as Wizards of the Coast as far as what books they put out. They're putting out the same volume. They're putting out the same number of supplements. They're putting out the same number of adventure paths and things you can play. And they so it's amazing that there's another company putting out that volume that matches the big dog and you know the oh Jordan, can you hear it? I can. <laughs> oh I want to say Jeff uh, in chat here. He said that his new new print theory is that it's going to be a spiral bound uh, book. Which I was like, oh, like a like a like a textbook that lays flat at the table. Ooh, that would be very nice. Um, thank you guys so much for joining us this wonderful day. We're going to uh, uh, say goodbye as it is the end of our show, and the siren has has told us that. So, <laughs> well, you should um, tell us about your games you played. Oh, my games? Yeah, whatever. Ah, okay. I played a couple games. Um, I finished an Eberron game, which was a lot of fun. And if you're curious about that, you can go over to uh, search for The Mighty Dungeon by Kugo. And I don't think they're uploaded to YouTube yet, but they'll be there. And I play, that's my goblin uh, swarm ranger named Zix. Uh, we got to level five and we finished and it was a lot of fun. Uh, Kugo's a really good dungeon master. I'm going to run a Halloween Kids on Bikes game and he's going to be a player. So you can watch out for that VOD before Halloween at some point. Uh People have been busy, so we haven't started Dungeon Crawl Classics, but that should happen tomorrow. So we're going to visit the island of uh, DCC, or the island of Hot, Sp Hot Springs Island, uh, using DCC. And then I went out and bought Witchlight, uh, Wild Beyond the Witchlight, because I was at the gaming store buying magic cards, and I saw it there, and it looked cool, so I picked it up. <laughs> uh, but I have not read it yet. I've only like flipped through it, but it looks like a lot of fun. And I actually had a lot of friends read it and said that they really... I uh, think it's one of their best adventures that they've written. And I was like, well, then I'm okay. You sold me. Like, I'll pick it up and I'll give it a read. So it could be a lot of fun. Uh, but I've been reading Worlds Without Number, which is a really interesting OSR book that has a lot of world building. Uh, when I was building um, my uh, my world, I was I wish I had had that book because you can roll all kinds of like ancient civilizations and cities and problems. And it's it's pretty cool if you're building, if you're doing some campaign building. So... Yeah. What about you, Lucian? What are you What are you working on? Are you still got a noise? 
Yeah, yeah still, still gonna fire going. in. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna live somewhere that has a giant horn every day for no reason. There's no is there an emergency? Oh no, they're just they're just sounding the horn. Yeah, but for 20 minutes? Yeah. Yeah, it just goes. Yeah. Oh yeah, you'll love the Midwest. It's wonderful here. Down over there, yeah, you know, like Wisconsin and, and North Dakota and Michigan. Oh, we have all these horns for no reason. It's great. It is still going. Whoever's <laughs> on the horn, he's just like, I'm going to go for five minutes. I don't care about these people. It's so... There it goes, finally. It's so random. Why do you have that? It's, it's on the first Saturday of every month they test it. So this is the first Saturday of October, so they test it. I don't get it. What are you doing in games, Lucian? (laughs) What are you doing? Hey, Jordan, I am test playing the campaign setting me and you have been super excited about talking about a lot. Put some notes down about um, the cliff or the edge. We're still trying to come up with the precipice, the cool name for it. World's End. The Great Fall. Something like that. Yeah, the Great (laughs) Fall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because I wanted to see really what, uh, what players would do when they're presented with this obstacle and just see what is, and I made them 10th level. So they have plenty of options, magic items, magic ideas, but what are they going to come up with to tackle this? And I still like the idea that it's a vertical hex crawl in some ways. Um, I haven't, I'm not going to dive into the vertical hex crawl part of it for this first test, but it was mostly to see how players who don't know about it experience it when they hear about it for the first time and then how they try to tackle it so we have a better idea of what will work and what won't work. Yeah, and and like playing through that uh, is the best way to write it, you know? Yeah. Because all of a sudden you're like, oh, I got to th- come up with something creative about this rather than trying to anticipate whatever they're trying to do. You just have to come yeah. up with it. So that'll be a lot of fun. That'll be really yeah. cool. Um, for this one too, I did. I let them do their character creation, but I also let them create. What I'm doing is, is there's a large empire, then there's a giant river like a, a Mississippi that runs north to south, and then there's this dark forest. And this empire wants this forest tamed, and so what they've set up is called the border princes, and they've set up these these lands and say they propped up these leaders and said we are paying you to tame these lands. Here's the laws. You cannot fight the other border princes or we'll tear you up. But if you push west, or I think I'm pushing east, push east and tame those lands, then we're going to continue to support you and help you become rich and help your community. So you can build it any way you want. You can have your own laws on the other side of that river. And they're also doing it as the buffer. So anything that comes and attacks them hits the border princes first. And then the empire has time to deal with whatever's coming from the east. So the game picks up that the players are a player in that, but they also have a leader that they follow. And I'm letting them build the leader in like the barony or the kingdom or the the principality or the, the area they get is built around their idea of what the civilization is about. So one has already created one that's a, a conglomeration of humans and elves that have come together and are really making half elves um, a prominent thing. Like they want more half elves and half elves are good and in the two cultures mixing is a good thing and it only makes both cultures stronger so that's what they kind of in their little area so it's interesting to see how each of the players are gonna create their own and then they're gonna find this thing 
out east and see what actually happens. So I think yeah, be kind that's of fun. cool. Man, so it'll fun, be fun. Is cool. that streamed or? No, nah, I want to keep, I was going to keep the pressure off as far as putting anybody on cameras or doing anything. Just let it kind of flesh out. Um, it is a Roll20 game. So everything will be tracked. I have a Discord that's going to track RP stuff. Um, and then I'll probably run more tests later on, maybe with even other people. And I think those ones will be the ones that get streamed, like a little bit down the line from the testing phase of it. Run one or two parties through the idea. Maybe run a low-level party at one point, this 10th-level party at one point, and then maybe do one that has the hex crawl vertical part of it in it. And really see how that would work and how how you could play it out and do it. So, and one of those I'm sure then would be a streamed one, cool, or at least recorded. I love it. I'm excited to see where that goes. Yeah, and I'm playing a ton of Pathfinder. I'm playing a ton of New World right now. Oh, video games, yeah. And I'm playing a ton of um, No Man's Sky. All three things. At the same oh wow, time. yeah. So, so go check out uh, your Twitch if you're not already yeah. there. Playing a bunch. <laughs> Sounds fun. I now I'm done. I should play. Now take us out. I should play No Man's Sky. I've been playing a lot of. Uh, they just started their new expedition. So I that's know. Why I jumped back it's in. such a good game now. It was not yeah. a good game, but it is such a good game now. Um, mm-hmm. But I've been playing a lot of Magic: The Gathering Arena, which I need to stop because it's just like I just need to stop. <laughs> but play other things. Write some books. Uh, that's our show ladies and gentlemen thank you so much thank you for the extra long awesome show that we had today we will see you next week with another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show take care